Joining us today on Mixing a Water Monday is former Gamecock offensive lineman Garrett Anderson. And Garrett, you're a perfect person to have on today after what we saw this past weekend with South Carolina. We always talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. There's obviously a lot of ugly to get into, and a lot of that has to do with the offensive line, but the offense as a whole. What was just your assessment of what you saw on Saturday night? I think in terms of the offense, I think it is a is a blessing that we have Rattler uh, back there. Uh, nine sacks and what was it, 359 yards of pass? I mean, I don't know how you do that with the protection that he got. Um, I think we need to stick with the run game a little bit more for what it's worth. But I think in terms of the 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 talent, like the the tools outside of the O line, I think it's all there. But we gotta we gotta get everything else put back together, you know. And we can sit here and we can get into it, you know, what we saw, the specifics. And I also yeah. want your thoughts on, obviously, what happens after that, right? Where does South Carolina go from there? But what is it like over those next 24, 48 hours as a player, right? You get back late. In this case, it's a bus ride, so you're not worrying about a flight. You get back into Columbia probably around, I don't know, 2 a.m., between 1 and 2 a.m. What's going on? as you get ready to head back into the building on Sunday for treatment and to be able to watch film and then obviously getting back out there on Monday? I mean, I think, you know, I'll speak from the, the O-line perspective, especially after a, a bad showing. I know I had a couple of those, uh, or the team had a couple of those in North Carolina. I think for a lot of the guys, and especially from what I watched from yesterday uh, or from Saturday, um, there's a lot of film cleanup, which is what you want. I mean, the things that they were messing up, there's a little bit of it that's talent, but at the end of the day, you got who you got and you got to get it figured out. Um, but they're correctable things. You know, if we were out there with a bunch of six foot, 240 pound linemen, we, you know, you can't fix that. But in terms of the size of it, you know, passing off games, making sure you make call outs and directional stuff. Those are easy things. You know, there was a, the third quarter, I still think was by far the most glaringly obvious um, pile of things you've got to work as a team. Um Passing off games, making calls, making directional things, making sure. And that's going to be, you know, Lonnie's going to work on that, the O-line coach. I know the stuff that they're going to edit and adjust, especially with the amount of people they got to roll in there. You know, we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, you don't want to be starting a redshirt freshman at tackle. Uh, it's the SEC. If you're a good O-line, you got juniors and seniors. But, you know, we got to work with what we got. And so, you know, if it's a if it's an educational thing, you know, they're going to they're going to shift up the way they make calls, uh, make sure that it's really, really easy to make, you know, get everyone going in the right direction. But, I mean, for these next 48 hours, it's film, it's avoid Twitter as much as humanly <laughs> possible, um, and just get it all ironed out. I mean, simple as that, really. You hit on it a little bit, but and naturally, and Garrett, you understand, the fans that are going to be watching this interview, they sit there, they watch the film over the weekend, or maybe they just watch the game itself. I mean, they don't ba go back and actually watch the film. But the point being is they see that there was nine sacks. They see the pressure that was continually to, to pound Spencer Rattler. Mm -hmm. You talk about there's corrections, though. There's things that you can correct. You mentioned some of them, but can you go into a little bit more detail in terms of what you saw that is correctable as they get ready for this second game against Furman? Yeah, I mean, it's obvious. You know, I, I just pulled up the the highlights from, I think it was, yeah, ACC Network, unfortunately. It's obvious stuff. You know, there's some things there running some some TE games, you know, where the D-tackle goes first and the DN wraps around. And it's funny, they got so much pressure from the D-tackle with the DN wrapping 
that the D tackle pressured wide and all the DN did was rush wide. And so the left tackle not being experienced settled down, ready to pass off the game. And all the DN did was just run by him and make the sack. That stuff where all you do as a tackle is you just settle into it. You stay there. You keep your eye on the D and the moment he actually crosses back over, then you pass off the game. You don't do that prematurely. And since he was so anxious, he gave up a sack. And again, go back to the Rattler thing. I, I forgot how many sacks that he avoided. You know, sure. if if it wasn't Rattler back there, if it was someone less mobile, uh, it could have been easily double digits deep into the double digits. Um, and that's embarrassing. I mean, let's just be real. As as Carolina fans, it's, it's really rough. But you'd rather have a really bad beginning of the season than a bad end of the season. You know, I'd rather, as a coach, I'd rather see all the glaring issues now than, you know, us fall apart middle of the season and then just kind of, you know, shrug and hope you can get ready for the next season. Um, but even the run game stuff, too. I mean, it's it's making calls. There's one where um, the right tackle, number 77, blanking on his name. Um, yeah. Uh, Sydney, Sydney, yep. It's there's you know they they shifted late in the in the the cadence and it essentially had him big on big. He thought the guard was with him. That's a communication thing, and it's a little bit of experience too, knowing that if they shift down and he's got everything bunched in the middle, you've got to just have a solo block and get by it. But he's looking for a guard to double with him, and it's not there, and you know makes our run game look terrible. But you know if you clear that up, there's literally no one behind that D tackle. If you clear that up, it's a thirty yard run. So it's it's you know those aren't talent things those are technique things those are those are coachable things and and Lonnie knows what he's doing the, the O-line coach I saw that on social media a bunch last 24 48 hours roasting that guy I, at the end of the day if if you can tell someone till you're blue in the face what to do if they don't do it they don't do it you know what I mean and so I, I think you know as frustrating as this game is I think it'll be a, a true test of the talent and the coaching what you know not even the Georgia game but you know down the road what those games look like and we've talked a lot about the offensive line. We'll talk a little bit about the defense, but obviously as a former offensive lineman, and, and again, because of what we saw from up front, nine sacks allowed, it's hard not to talk about the offensive line. Yes. With that being said, though, Gary, we talked about this before we hopped on. I've talked with former Gamecocks uh, today and going back to last night after the game as we taped this on Sunday. It wasn't just the offensive line. If you go back and watch the tight ends, there was a couple assignments that they've missed. I think Shane Beamer actually mentioned that post game, but going back and watching the film, I saw some of that. Spencer Rattler, I know Steven Garcia came out and said there's probably a couple times that he held on to the ball a little bit longer. And we could sit here, we can divvy things up and say, okay, you know, the majority of it was probably on the offensive line. But as an offensive unit as a whole, as a group that this is your first time playing in this system. Number one, number two, with the this offensive line, it's the first time in terms of being able to work together. Which, as we mentioned earlier in the week, I was told that they were still working through trying to figure out who their left and right tackles were going to be. Yep. Saying all that, can you give us some type of positive of why Gamecock fans shouldn't be hitting the panic button quite yet after Week One, knowing you still have eleven regular season games to go? I, I think for most Carolina fans, our biggest concern was Loggins. Um, and I will, I will say, you know, I'm not going to stop and just say, I'm not going to attach myself to him and say he's the best offensive coordinator in the nation. But in terms of the play calling yesterday, I do think the play calling was way better than we had six months ago, nine months ago, I think. Can you share that, though? Because some people, they just sure. see the results, right? And, of course, a lot of it was were broken plays because Spencer had to run around out there. 
and it's funny, you know, we watched the opening drive and, you know, a lot of our coordinators will script out the first couple of plays. Um, a lot of the plays were kind of just dump off, get away stuff. And we had the alarms go off my head of like, you know, why are we not running up the middle? And, you know, as you can see, as the game progressed, <laughs> clearly Loggins realized that our O-line was our struggle and he tried to get the ball to the sideline, let the athletes be athletes and do stuff like that. I think he, he used the guys well. A couple of things here and there that I think that he tried to do a thing. There's one, it's a, obvious, it's an inside zone to the left, and the DN doesn't respect Rattler pulling it at all. He just chases down and makes the tackle on the backfield. I think Loggins is going to see that and actually, I hope, actually do some some read stuff with, with Rattler because I think if Rattler pulls it, he's got 20 yards by himself. Um, and I, I get why you don't let him do that. You want to protect your your star player, not let him get banged up. But I think with what you're working with, you got to do that twice a game. Um in terms of utilizing the athletes, in terms of getting people in positions to win, a lot of those plays were there. You know, I, I if I had to grade it, and this is you know compared to Lane Kiff, and I still put him in the in the B B plus category, but compare that to the the D minus that we had last year. I think I think that's way that's a lot a, a huge improvement in that category. And I think that once you figure out how to utilize your line well, you know, if your line sucks, you don't run power all day. You gotta you gotta work around it. I think once Loggins utilizes the people we have correctly you know we could still be a 400 yards a game offense defensively i felt like for the most part for south carolina when we, we their struggles when it comes to stopping the run which certainly it's still there you talk about correctable there's a lot of correctable things on defense but it's something that we've been talking about it feels like the last couple of years in my opinion Garrett, a lot of it had to do with the fact of just missed tackles, right? I mean, there's opportunities, could be some TFLs or runs yeah. that should have only gone for two or three yards, and there were a lot of missed tackles. It seemed like they cleaned things up, I'd say, midway through the third quarter into the fourth. They probably got a little bit better. Outside of some kneel downs, which obviously on the stat sheet is going to lose some yards, South Carolina allowed over 170 yards. Again, saying that minus the – not including the uh, – the kneel downs, which brought him down to like 168 or something. Sure. What did you just think about from a defensive standpoint of what you saw from the Gamecocks on Saturday? I, I'm hoping that we look back at this game at the end of the year and say North Carolina was a good team, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of the way their O-line played, the way their D-line played, um, you know, kind of just how they used their their people. I hope that they're in the ACC championship. It'll make us feel a lot better. You know, hopefully the rest of our season goes well too. But, I mean, in terms of, you know, correcting things you can correct and looking at, looking at internal versus external, you know, You've got you've got uh, Huntley in there, Bogey. He's he's a very good D tackle. You know he's only two ninety eight. You know Talk is in there two eighty five. Those are your run stoppers. And there was numerous times where I watched the the I literally watched the rest of the defense get mushed and just Huntley being the only person back on the line of scrimmage. And you can get mad at missed tackles here and there, but the whole concept of the way your defense works is that your D tackles and DNs eat up the double teams and the and the run game movement, so your linebackers can scrape and make the tackles if. The D-line's getting, you know, mushed down the field. They can't make the tackles. And, I, you know, you can't really fix that middle of the season. you got to kind of, you know, we might turn into a, a pretty blitz-heavy team here and there. But, um, I, yeah, you, we've, we've always known we're going to be thin up front. That was our issue last year with, with the run game. And, yeah, I think, I think Blanton, you know, especially for, you know, being young, I thought he played really well. Same with yeah. Devos, who had a couple of good plays here and there. I also think losing Nick early was – a problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned I, I some think of those young guys had to go out there. Yeah. Younger yeah. guys. And that happened on the offensive line, too, with some of the injuries. I mean, it was yep. just injury galore all over the place. I mentioned young players, Garrett. 
We talked about this with Michael Skarniecki after the game last night. And I know things have changed a little bit in terms of like, okay, some young guys can go out there and you can kind of throw them into the fire and then you can decide to redshirt them if they don't play more than four games in the regular season. I know that wasn't the case when you played. It certainly wasn't the case when I played as well. But I bring that up because naturally when you have a five-star or bring in some of these talented four-stars, fans want to see them. You know, why do we have this guy out here instead of this guy? Shane Beamer said it a week ago, which is if you go down the list of a lot of the starters, whether it be Spencer Rattler, whether it be Vershawn Lee, a lot of these guys, they redshirted their freshman year. I understand there's a niche. Okay, why are we going to put Luke Doty out there instead of this bird? I get all that. I understand that. Mm. But can you talk some sense into that portion of the fan base and let them know it's it's okay. Like these guys are freshmen and just knowing having gone through this yourself, the difference sometimes when you are a 22 year old and you're going up against someone that's 18 or vice versa, excuse me, when you're 18 going up against someone that's 22. And even though you might've been the greatest thing since sliced bread coming out of high school, you might not fully be there yet. Game one against a power five team. Yep. I mean, yes, there are going to be your Tyler Huntley's that can play both sides of the ball. 120 plays. Yes, you have those five stars, and those guys exist once every decade, maybe. Um, but I think the the best adage is you don't know what you don't know. Um, it's the reason why you can watch Tom Brady all day long make the perfect play when he's been playing in the league for 15 years. Um, he wasn't like that his third year in the league. He wasn't like that the seventh year in the league. You know, it. You need those reps. You need that experience. You need to know how to react at a split second. You know, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you have never seen a look or a certain kind of, you know, offense or defensive front or a certain play, you don't know how to react to it. You won't learn that until you go off the experience. And, you know, you're going to have spring ball. You're going to have fall camp. And there's a lot of reps in that. But, you know, for a lot of guys, they physically need to be in those experiences. And those will happen in practice where you can fail. You don't want to have a freshman, sophomore having those failures when the game is on the line. Um, and we've done that a lot of Carolina uh Make got, I mean, heck, Nick did that last year. He meant worry, he, you mm-hmm. know, he, true freshman. He or, yeah, yeah, true freshman. I mean, he made it work, but you can't expect that from all your guys. You, and, you know, it's a bad position. We're going to have to make it work, but it's just, it's the, the lack of experience, man. You can't, it, talent doesn't outweigh that issue. Garrett, last one for you <clears throat> before sure. we wrap things up. And I know a player is never going to be thinking this way. Next week against Furman, I look at those games as a lose-lose situation. And here's why. God forbid you play like crap or whatever. Naturally, people are going to be like, you can't you can't do – this is what you're doing against an FCS team, which, oh, by the way, they are the number six FCS team, which I think it's going to be a better contest early on than South Carolina will run away with it, but that's a story for a different day. Sure. And yet if you go out there and you kick their teeth in, People are going to be like, well, that's what we you're supposed to do, right? Charlotte and South Carolina State last year. I bring all that up because what are you looking for in this game as South Carolina goes out there and they try to find some momentum? Because as we know, they have a very difficult schedule, as is the case all the time and when you're playing in the SEC. But you have Georgia the following week. What are you looking for from this team to make you feel good as the schedule just keeps rolling on? You know, it's funny, I, I was I was looking it up because, you know, I had a, a very similar situation when I was at Carolina. I mean, we played, we played Wofford. Um, 
September 16th, third game. That was my first game starting, and we won 27 to 20. It was a nail biter. And funny enough, the next week was Florida Atlantic, 45 to 6. You know, I, I love us facing these FCS teams, but I think a lot of people have to remember that well-coached small people are way better than than poorly coached talented kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and Furman's probably going to be a game where we barely pull it out, and there's nothing worse than going from losing to UNC to barely beating Furman to having to face the the reigning national champs. Um, I think what's great with these games, though, and kind of like what you hinted to, I think these are great opportunities to get young guys some reps versus guys that you should physically manhandle. Mm Because if you can physically be there, the physicality should help you kind of get it figured out versus knowing every situation, every single different look. Knowing Furman's just going to throw the book at them because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to win these games where you're getting paid to lose. Um, but if we can, I, you know, I think Loggins, this is going to be a great way for him to dumb down the playbook. I mean, get to your bases, get to the things you're going to run, you know, 30% of the season, you know, all your different type of plays. And get your guys a lot of reps on blitzes that you like and, play, and you know, run game, pass game plays that you're like, that you're going to run at least three times a game every week. Um, if we can get some consistency there and get a little bit of confidence in that, I think that's going to be a win. I don't really care what the score looks like. I care about, you know, how do we play? How efficient are we? Do we give up, you know, zero sacks or 20? You know what I mean? tightening up all those little things i think that's what's going to show at least the progression in the right direction and at the end of the day let's forego the georgia game and see how the rest of the season works you know what i mean are you superstitious at all garrett a little bit maybe little only because i was under spurrier i okay. never was before and i i'm getting away from it but he was he was bad well i need to bring you back into it and <laughs> i'm gonna try to bring gamecock fans back into it last season we had garrett on after the shellacking that south carolina Faced after losing to Florida. What happened after Florida? They beat Tennessee. They beat Clemson. What I'm trying to get at is Garrett comes back on mixing a water Monday. If they go out there and not only beat Furman, but they beat Georgia. It's not the players, not the coaches. Don't thank any of them. Thank this man right here for coming on mixing a water Monday after a loss. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> a lot of pressure. Garrett Anderson, appreciate you hopping on for this week's yes, edition of Mixing a Water Monday. Yes, sir. Thank you, man.